If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. My goodness, it's it's me and a, a mysterious bald stranger. Hi, everyone. I came back. He came back. People were getting worried, man. <laughs> they thought Nick was my new best friend or something. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sound too negative, like Nick is a bad person. No, no, Nick and I are alternating weeks now, and of course, with our E3 coverage, things got a little wonky. Yeah, well, that was largely my fault, because I forgot I'd had a dental appointment, like, an hour before we were supposed to do our last one, Mm -hmm. and then... Yeah, we had to skip one. Exactly. So now so now Jack's back. Everything's fine. We're all cool. Everything's cool all the time. And we have uh, an exciting, hopefully, topic today, uh, which is the specialized game versus the kitchen sink game. A, a game that uh, utilizes one core mechanic and a game that has a lot of different tiny mechanics. Hmm, almost getting back to that whole debate thing we used to do. A little debatey, uh, though uh, I guess in our in a typical slightly civil war fashion, uh, it's all it all depends. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. What was it specifically that brought this topic to your mind, Jack? I, I was playing a, a little indie game called Tip Top, uh, and I'm not I'm not familiar with it. Oh, uh, it it's an adorable little game. It's a rock climbing game, actually, and and the game is all about. Uh, maintaining and uh, working on your grip strength as you make uh, your way up these procedurally generated mountains. I see. That's weird. I googled tip top and most of the results were cootie catchers. Uh, What's a cootie catcher? You know, it's that thing you fold with paper in school and you like... Oh, yeah. Thing and the girls use them to tell fortunes. Do you like me? Yes or no? Y-E-S. Yes, and apparently some people call them tip-tops, according to Google. Oh. Please, please confirm chat. <laughs> what do you call that thing in your part of the world? Maybe. I didn't know they were called... I, I, Cootie Catcher is just a name I heard recently. I always just called them things. Paper fortune teller things. Ooh, paper, paper fortune teller. Yeah, and then it's like, okay, we're on this one, so now you have to choose A, B, or C, and then you choose C... And that's your fortune, or that's like the person you are supposed to marry, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I found the Steam page for Tip Top now, and it looks quite intriguing. Because I was saying to you before we started recording, I'm actually uh, a keen indoor rock climber myself. Oh. I haven't had much chance to do it since the kid was born, but it's something I'd very much enjoy. So you know all about maintaining grip strength and using the little powder bag. Oh yes, I literally have my own powder bag. I'm that far gone. Is it embroidered? <laughs> no. Little, little, uh, you know, a BC on it? No, it's just about um, s- securing your points of contact mm. and uh, 
pushing up with your legs. And I've I've thought it would be an interesting game thing to work into a game mechanic. And this looks pretty much like how I pictured it. And and it is. It's it's really fun and it's very engaging. And it's it's really it's the interesting part is like every time you dip your hands into the chalk, you regain mm. stamina for that grip, but you lose. Instead of having a hundred percent stamina, now you have eighty percent stamina. Ah. So like it regains your wheel, but it shortens the wheel. That is how it works. Ah. So uh it's it's really fun and it's very engaging, but only for a short time. And I found myself really losing interest in it after a while because it didn't give me anything else. It it, it got more mm. challenging, which is mm. a good thing. But if if that rock climbing mechanic were folded into a larger game and just one of the gameplay mechanics amongst many, I think I would have enjoyed it more. So if it was in like Breath of the Wild or something. Well, that I think that's a great example of a kitchen sink game that does it very well. Yes. But if it was in a game in a larger game, then it might not be able to put as much work into focusing on the the fully recreated single experience mm. of climbing things, which I guess is the uh, recurring issue <laughs> that we're probably going to hit up on a lot. Yeah. Because you can take one thing and like really, really focus on it, do it really well. Mm. Or you can do lots of things and do them all kind of okay. And I guess it depends on what people want in life. <laughs> I'm Im- I'm immediately thinking, just from recent history, of Biomutant. Oh, oh my. Yes. Did you play Biomutant? I, you know what? All of the reviews seem to have a general consensus that it wasn't worth it. <laughs> it no, it really wasn't. But it's a classic example of a game that does everything a little bit and nothing particularly well. Okay. And I'm just saying about the game, it should have picked something to focus on. That's probably why people don't like it so much. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm a big fan of primary gameplay loops. Oh, I do know that about you. That's my focus in game design. Mm-hmm. And I, to my mind, even in a kitchen sink game, you need to have some a very strong core. Okay. You know? Something that everything else can sort of branch off. Sure. And it can be just something like exploration, like Breath of the Wild. Mm. Everything is a branch of the greater exploration tree. Yes. So when we talk about doing lots of things blandly, Biomutant is a bad example. But there are games, remembered as classics even, Mm -hmm. that take that approach. Red Dead Redemption springs to mind. Oh, okay. Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm -hmm. is, Is there any one thing Red Dead Redemption 2 does well? I would say no. Um... Okay, not in a gameplay sense, but Red Dead Redemption 2 does the setting really well. Okay. <laughs> and I know that's kind of a bullshit out, <laughs> but like the fee- the overall feel of Red Dead Redemption 2, you you understand the setting and situation you're in. It feels cowboyish. Ah. Uh, ah. But that overall setting is created by no one single ingredient. Right. Right. It's you're a gunslinger, so you've got gun combat, you ride a horse, mm-hmm. you can play poker in a bar if you're into that. A saloon rather. <laughs> yeah. Cowboys don't go to bars unless they're hitching horses on them. 
Hey, yeah, well, no, and you can camp, you can hunt, you can you can fist fight in, which is just the worst feeling uh, gameplay uh, controls in the entire game. Yeah, <laughs> and none of those things alone would carry it. Mm-hmm. None of those things by themselves would carry a game. The gunfighting is extremely generic. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the, the the even just like the base, base of movement physics are kind of fucked in Red Dead Redemption games. Yeah, it has that like. Every time you push forward, your character kind of like lurches. Oh yeah, it, fe- it feels mm. bad to control in general. I agree. <laughs> Another example might be Skyrim. Yes, lots of things in there. Everyone talks about how full of stuff it is, but if you just like if you look at any one thing, it's just kind of blur. The yeah. combat immediately oh. leaps to mind. Yeah, all all combat. Yeah. Yes. about the character animation the ai <laughs> the, people disappearing yeah. into staircases right the enemy design is relatively generic the but those games are but as classics there are people who reinstall skyrim on a like annual basis yeah as they should it's a fantastic game that can be played multiple times over and over again uh this the, it was netflix before netflix we want we hmm. want more rather than better is hmm. the key of now and you uh, let's see uh, on the flip side of things of course we have classic games that only do one thing incredibly well hmm. uh, portal is the prime example an excellent game. An excellent game, very highly focused on its uh, central puzzling mechanic. Mm-hmm. Because it is a very strong and original mechanic to base a game around, like your climbing thing. It's a it's an utterly unique mechanic. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I would say. Solving puzzles with portals. But, but even if we look at a game that uses a generic mechanic, but only focuses on it, like Doom 2016... That is another example of they fo- only combat, only shoot bad guys. Well, it was kind of innovative, and then they brought back uh, more of a retro vibe to it with focusing on traversal and verticality. But yeah, it was what you can do if you commit yourself to focusing on one particular flavor of experience, I suppose. Sure, sure, sure. So, yeah. Sometimes it's good to focus on one thing, and sometimes it's good to do lots of little things. <laughs> Spade over. Super chats now, please. Give us money. No. <laughs> uh, we've, got, we've got to mention, wow. yeah, if, you, if like we do read out the super chats towards the end of the debate, and we do like being supported by uh, things like that, so please bear that in mind. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm I'm seeing someone in chat actually right now mentioning something uh, that I think is a is a good example of can really work, but also uh, makes things difficult, which is Celeste. Celeste is a a beautiful and wonderful game hmm. uh, that focuses on one thing exactly, just platforming. That's it, hard hmm. as balls, two D platforming, uh, but. It is possibly inaccessible to a lot of gamers because of its difficulty. It 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 does a it has a great ramp up, but if we compare that to something like the original Super Mario Brothers, uh, the those games had waves. Things would get difficult. You would have an easier level, difficult level, easier level, which makes for an overall more enjoyable experience. 
Well, of course, doing the one thing versus doing lots of little things could equally apply to difficulty levels. You could focus on one difficulty level, so it's continually hard, or you could be a more accessible drift around sort of affair, as you say. And I think what you sort of hit the nail on the head here in that the focused gameplay style is a niche gameplay style. And the broad gameplay style is intended for broad appeal. That's, that's all it is, really. And I think it's also the case that the focused gameplay style is like benefits more from shorter play times. And whereas the everything approach is the sort of thing you want to settle into for like four hours on a lazy Sunday. Ooh, that's it's a really good l- point. It's, it's the long term just, it's like hot bath versus shower to clean off a specific degree of filth. Hot bath versus washing your hands. There you go. Yeah, 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 I'm with you. Sometimes you just want to zone out. And I'll say that for Red Dead Redemption 2. It's an excellent game for zoning out on. Right? Like, I'm just going to head off into the desert for a little bit and see what I can do. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. That's a, I think that's a really good point. And one of the things I think that makes Portal, and I'm, I know you and I have talked about this before, but one of the things that makes Portal such a classic is that you can beat it in a half an hour. It does not take a yeah. lot of uh, time I was, investment. I was bored the other day. I had like a window in my schedule. I just reinstalled Portal and played through it just for nostalgia's sake. Right. And uh, had fun. Because you can. Um, and that's why That's why maybe and, – and I still have Tip Top installed. But I, and I, I, I do go back to it every once in a while just because uh, – it does. It, it, it's such a strong game play loop. Mm. The only the only issue is it's it's just one line and it's just one mechanic, and so I do get bored so very easily. So yeah, I'm only there for that short amount of time. Then I move on to something else. That's that may, maybe sounds more damning than it actually is. I have literally categorized my personal Steam game collection into time killer good and not time killer good. Like the, Please, the stuff that's wait 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 the stuff that's <laughs> the stuff that's time killer good is the games I like that you can just zone out on. Mm, okay, and it's just always fun to bring up and just mess with in the background while you're doing something. Okay, but the stuff I categorize as not time killer good is something that if I'm gonna play, I want to devote all my attention to while I'm playing it. Okay, so give me an example of both. Well, let me like bring out my Steam list here. <laughs> Oh, fuck, I'm still logged into the escapist seamless. Oh, get out of here. I'll, I'll work on that. But just off the top of my head, Stardew Valley, for example, oh. would be in my time killer good category. Okay. Subnautica. Nathan Lynch just brought that up. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just something, that's just a fucking fun to bathe in, literally. <laughs> if I'm... <laughs> If I'm in the mood for that sort of thing, right? A bit of exploration and uh, processing my way up the tech tree, mm. mapping. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Whereas, hang on, I'll get my favorites list. Uh, Dark Souls is on my always good to kill time list. <laughs> oh, look at that! First game on my good but not time killer good list: Alien Isolation. Oh, so that's a game that you feel like you really need to focus on to play. 
Yeah, that's not something I'd zone out to play. I feel like I'd really need to be in the mood to want to go out of my way to play that. Sure. And we've got stuff here like um, Black Mesa, the Half-Life remake. Gotcha. Oh, what else we got here? We got hmm, Cave Story. Haven't played that in a while. <laughs> the the classic indie Metroidvania. Hmm. We got uh, Disco Elysium on here. That's something you'd need to bring your smart person brain to. Your, your smart person brain and a notebook. Right. Yeah, you gotta you gotta read. You just gotta get some fucking reading done when you're playing that. Absolutely. I, I saw a couple of people in chat earlier mention Titanfall two, and I would put Titanfall two in the good kitchen sink game because it does a really great job of breaking up the mechanics, the the wall runs, the basic shooting, the Titan shooting. It adds hmm. a lot of different elements that it keeps your attention over and over again. Mm, that does a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Oh, and uh, Undertale is on my uh, not time killer good oh, okay. list because Undertale is something I really want to focus on when I play it. Focus on the feelings, the emotions, man. <laughs> yeah, Titanfall Two is a good game. People should talk about it more. They they really should. Titanfall Two was phenomenal and a phenomenal experience. Um, fun fun to play. And speaking as a narrative specialist, really surprisingly good story, well written. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I don't quite remember the story, but that's where you and I different. Well, that's you, you isn't you, it? Yeah, I you, you, You're not a story guy. You never pay attention to where it matters. But you you get in a big robot and the robot punches things. It's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, we that, can both have our game there. Yeah, the ironic thing is that the giant robots were probably my least favorite part of Titanfall <gasps> 2. Really? Yeah, because oh. you get in one and then it's just a first-person shooter, but you move like you got fucking ball and chains trapped to your feet right because you're in a giant robot and that's awesome um, yeah but you most when you're in a giant robot you're mostly just fighting other giant robots mm. i mean if you could just like lord it over little tiny peasants crushing them like ants neath your feet to feel your awesome uh, power bring up an enemy that's like got the same powers as ours it just cancels it out doesn't it mm-hmm. that's fair that's fair and i think like a lot of I think a lot of these kind of like shorter niche games, like you said, they like they go ultra indie, they go short or they go mobile. I know like a lot of very like one specialization games uh, are now mobile games. Hmm. Well, yeah, because uh, if they're only doing one thing, chances are they're fairly simple to play. Exactly. Not too much to tutorialize. And really that- good for short bursts. Yeah, that's another thing to be said for that sort of gameplay style. Easy to pick up. Ooh. I mean, when you're doing a broad thing, that sort of demands a certain investment, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta be in the sort of mood to be patient, to patiently learn all the mechanics. <laughs> correct, correct, and be tutorialized too, and have them come up within context while you're playing. Again, it, I, I really, uh, I think it was incredibly wise of you to say it's all about time and the time you're willing to put into a game i know i've been i've been picking up a lot of uh did you uh did you play dunk lords can't say i did i i was a big fan of the uh of the nba jam games the very uh cartoony basketball game back in the game day oh uh, yes i'm bringing it up now it 
It sure is a cartoony basketball game. And it's awesome. I mean, it's called Dunk Lords. It's basically NBA Jam uh, without the you're on fire mechanic. Uh, but it, but it's, it's very simple. It's very fun, uh, but not necessarily there for long stretches. And uh, counterpoint, there was a freeware indie RPG yeah. where you play as Charles Barkley. Oh, what was it? Super Shut Charles Sh- Barkley. I think it's called Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do remember that existing. Yes. And I've look, <laughs> I'm looking into it. It's astonishing how much work went into that for a free game. Well, wasn't there like a sequel too that they like crowdfunded? But it got shut down. Oh, there's a whole there's a whole history there. Right, yeah. What's it called again? I want to get a tab open so I can try to play it later. Looking at, it's got a Wikipedia page. It's called Barclays Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. <laughs> Joking, jokingly presented as an unofficial sequel to Barclays Shut Up and Jam, which was a generic basketball game on the Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. and Space Jam. Featuring JRPG-styled battles and dungeons. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that's something worth investigating if you're interested, but it's a <laughs> got to commit some time to it sort of game. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's my next deep dive. Uh, and yeah. no, Chad, I'm not thinking of the Shaq Fu sequel. I actually played that. What an embarrassment! I, I just want to read the first paragraph of the plot of this game. I'm so ready. The game's the game starts off in 2041, 12 years prior to the main part of the game in post-cyberpocalyptic neo-New York. Charles Barkley performs a powerful chaos dunk at a basketball game, inadvertently killing most of the people in attendance. As a result, <laughs> basketball is outlawed and many basketball players are hunted down and killed. That's like your origin story. That is the that is the origin for the game Barclays Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. Yes. By the way, that is uh some people were asking us to repeat the name of the game and oh boy, I I'm, I know what I'm going to play later. I yeah. I remember that game existing and like I probably have a note somewhere saying you should check this out, but now that you've reminded me, I I have to play it. Barkley is blamed for the chaos dunk and hunted by the B-Ball removal department led by Michael Jordan. Oh, the classic. The classic. This does sound incredible. We have to wait until Charles Barkley is a little older and then maybe he'll just want some money and he'll be able to officially license this game. (laughs) Could you... You probably couldn't sell something like that, could you? Not without likeness rights. Right, you'd have to... You could probably skirt around it like just with changing some text, you know, call it like Barley's Shut Up and Jam Gaiden. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the actual game used like uh, scanned in photos of <laughs> Charles Barkley. Oh, okay. So you'd probably have to change some of that. Uh, you'd be you'd be versus like Mick Jordan. You know, that's the sort of indie game that I would uh, really appreciate. Sort of thing that you'll never see put on your fucking indie game streaming service. The sort of thing that's just someone's mad stream of consciousness. Right. With no reverence for licensing law or anything like that. That's where that's where some of the true art can thrive. You know, that and Frog Fractions really mm. blossoms in a realm. Uh, oh. Speaking of, that is another example of an amazing kitchen sink game. 
Frog fractions. The frog fractions. Hmm. It, well, maybe by a different definition of kitchen sink, because yeah? <laughs> it's 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 one of those things like portal where you could sit down and play for an hour when you feel nostalgic for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because it's just like an extraordinary stream of consciousness of a game, but it is like a very linear thing. But mechanically speaking, it has, you know, once the fractions get harder, it has all of those elements <clears> to <throat> it that, it, I mean, it is, it's it's an artistic everything in the kitchen sink game, but it has so many mechanics to it that I think it should be included in that list. They They don't necessarily work well together, <laughs> but they're there. Did you play Frog Fractions 2? Uh, or, glitter mitten grove yeah yes it was it was hidden in glitter mitten grove hidden that's right. that's much more a kitchen sink sort of experience sure i uh <laughs> i don't think i ever finished it no, i found it's kind of all over the place yes yeah that's actually it's it's that's the um, yes <laughs> that's the yes uh frog fractions it's very linear but it has so many different mechanics it has the fractions it has <clears> the <throat> the uh town management it has the the text adventure it has the echo the dolphin section right but that's all part of the same like gag and it's like saying warioware games have lots of mechanics it's it's all Ooh. in service of a single through line. Hmm. <laughs> Semantics. Semantics, maybe. I but I, I I understand your argument. Semantics, maybe, but I understand your argument. I'd say it's a little bit different, just because you know, in a in a Wario where well, I need processing time. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Technical fault, everybody. <laughs> just, just display like a graphic saying technical fault. Play some music yeah. while Jack thinks about this. Okay, great. Hold on. That was just for the gag, though. <laughs> um. Though the the while it's part while Frog Fractions is part of all of the same narrative through line, the physical mechanics are so different. I would still like to include it. Whereas something like WarioWare, sure, all all of the things you're doing, like plucking a nose hair, snipping a wire, uh, playing a key on a keyboard, is are technically different. You're using the same physical mechanics to do them. Right, but we were talking about focused design versus unfocused design. In Frog Fractions, it's a focused experience. You focus on everything that comes up to you, and with WarioWare as well. Whereas unfocused is stuff like Red Dead Redemption, where you float around, just idly do whatever pops up. Mm. It's a more of a choice-based thing, really. And you don't really have a choice of what to do next. Ooh, well, I guess... Frog Fractions and WarioWare. That would be the difference is whether it's thrust upon you or whether it's your choice. And, and I guess in my head, it's it's potato potato in that in that situation where in both situations you are doing a new thing mechanically. 
Whereas in WarioWare, you're essentially doing the same thing. But I guess we can just go by, down to semantics for those right. ones in particular. Um, thinking of a, a kitchen sink game that I think works, uh, uh, kind of a, a more mainstream idea uh, of this uh, uh, a little bit of everything is something like Horizon Zero Dawn. Well, kitchen sink design is inherently more mainstream by its very nature basically all games start out all game genres started out as a single focused thing and uh, uh the constant push to be more impressive with each new game mm. eventually led to the creation of the kitchen sink game sure it's so impressive that you can do shooting and exploring and horse riding and all of that yeah so in their constant sense that they feel they need to push technology and uh, all of that the kitchen sink game is now pretty much the triple a default <laughs> yes the the jiminy cockthroat if, as we've discussed oh if you will a, a little bit of stealth a little bit of action oh if you want to upgrade stuff you can definitely do that and it all matters i swear <laughs> but i think to really stand out and be a good game you need to be really strong somewhere okay and horizon zero dawn has a couple of strong threads to it i think it's got very strong monster design yes and well that's been, well, well ask people who actually like that game because i didn't like it that much well I, I as someone who really did like that game yes the the highlights the tent poles of that game were the giant robot dinosaur fights everything else hmm. is i i thoroughly enjoyed but those were the real peaks that kept tent your interest. Poles, exactly. Yeah. That's the that's the word. You need tent poles. Biomutant had no tent poles. It had nothing to write home to mama about, is what you're saying. Exactly. If you got thirty words to pitch the game in and you can only show one screenshot, what do you focus on? Fighting robot dinosaurs. Boom. Bam. <laughs> and what does Biomutant have? I I didn't play Biomutant. Nothing. Oh. That's the point. There's <laughs> nothing to focus on there. I think that's really fair. I think if you look at something, I know another game we slightly disagree on is something like Ghost of Tsushima, which I very much enjoyed. But I was all there for for that samurai combat. Yeah, I mean, if you, if, I'd say the strong point of Tsushima was theming. It was very strongly themed around the samurai thing. Ooh. If you want to summarize the game, what do you show them? Samurai! <laughs> having, a bit of, having a big old... I actually did like that mechanic where you can go up to an enemy stronghold and just call them out. Right. They like, come on, let's settle this here and now like men. <laughs> that was very on brand. That, that was, was very on theme. That was. That was absolutely on theme. So would you say that's similar as far as like my wishy-washy Red Dead Redemption 2 where it's like cowboy? Eh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> hmm. Yeah. I guess you can't. That's something you can't really say about Biomutant. There's no real strong theme. It's you're a very dude who's in a post-apocalyptic world and uh, there's trees. <laughs> And you have a cool weapon, and there's some uh, technology, but it's old technology. But uh, and do the yeah, and and there's a good versus bad moral choice mechanic that's all over the place. And also, you can take over territories for your tribe, and but it's not really that important. Right versus samurai. 
Samurai. That's it. That's all you got to say. Oh, all right. I'm in. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hooked. <laughs> all right. No, I, I dig it. I, I, I dig I dig this because uh, I think that's like a connecting thread between both of them, which is even the kitchen, like the good kitchen sink games still have the specialization tentpole, whether it be in hmm. in mechanics like exploration a la Breath of the Wild or whether it be in uh, theming like in uh, Tsushima. Hmm. So just to summarize before we like start thinking about super chats um if you if you're doing the focus game that focuses on one thing mm-hmm. and focuses on it really well then you have to expect that people uh won't play it for that long keep it in a sort of snacky experience yes but if, but if you're doing the broad design thing you gotta have something to focus on you gotta have your tent poles absolutely so the 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 kink that I'm going to throw into the gears here mm. is what about something like Stardew Valley? I think Stardew Valley hinges on what the player wants out of it. Because mm-hmm. Stardew Valley's thing is that it has a bunch of like threads through it. It has a bunch... It caters to a bunch of different incentives for gaming. Mm-hmm. And the way it's designed, you basically are free to pick and mix as much or as little of each of those threads as you want. Mm-hmm. If you want it to be just about farming, it could be just about farming. If you want to approach it like a story-based game, you can focus entirely on uh, meeting the objectives, saving the town, impressing your dead dad. If you want it to be a creative experience, you could like create a winery with a big patch of vines shaped like Felicity Kendall's bottom. Mm. And if you want it to be about combat, you can go and hunt mines the whole time. You can do as much or as little as you want. Any one of those will get you success sure. in that game. So like Stardew Valley is is the kind of the exception that makes the rules as it has adjustable tent poles. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to stick with this metaphor. Stick your hand behind the curtain and turn a little wheel and make one tent pole go down, another one go up. Sure. That's that's how you approach that game. Sure, sure. And I guess that's the like that should be the takeaway for developing a larger game, which is if you have these you know your your Jiminy cockthroats, if you will, like if you are going to implement this stealth mechanic, how important is that to the overall experience? Can someone just go down a stealth path, or are you going to force them not to at some point just to hmm. broaden the experience? There are games where stealth is the only way to get around, mm-hmm. like you're playing something like thief or dishonored, right. Where you basically just run from shadow to shadow the whole game. Well, I, I, like Dishonored is, or I, and I haven't played Dishonored one. I've only played Dishonored two. But in Dishonored two, you can choose, and it does have adjustable tent poles because you could go all stealthy, or hmm. you could go in swords a swinging, and both are very satisfying experiences. Yeah, it does a bit of the kitchen sink, mm-hmm. the standard stealth or action choice given to the player. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of rare, though, in that a, 
absolutely ties your choice to the branching moral plot. If you go all stealth and not kill things, you are uh, you get locked into the good plot where you're a good person and nice things happen. <laughs> but if you kill everything, you go in the bad plot. It's it's not that common for a game to judge the player that way. These days, they're all about oh, play things your way. We can't tell you how to have fun. But Dishonored is a rare, fairly rare example of the game literally judging you for your choice. Yeah, yeah. In the way the plot unfolds. Sure, sure. I don't. I. I think. I think for me, it was. It was more like I don't care if I'm going to be the bad guy. I want to murder people. So, yeah, so I was just very comfortable being the bad guy. I think that says a lot about you, man. <laughs> that's that's what I like in my escapism: murder. Well, better that we murder in our escapism than in real life. Absolutely, because society. We'll have a problem with that. <laughs> or at least we hope they will. Uh, yeah. No, and I, I'm just trying to think about, like, the, the inverse, like you said, for the specialized game. Like, make sure that you have it prepared for those shorter experiences, uh, which means checkpoints, yeah. save points, so they can pick up and move on later. Yeah. And if you're going to do one thing, like, go deep, like your tip-top thing. Go deep mm. mechanically. Yes. Like, if you're going to be appealing to a niche, then go all out. I've known developers who, like, um, make their money from niches. I used to know a developer who, like, exclusively made train sims, train games. Okay. Which is a niche. They're not, like, hugely popular. But the people who buy and interested in train sims will buy every bit of DLC you put out, and they will pay any cost. But the trade-off for that is that they are very, very picky about accuracy. Ooh, sure. If you give them a Union Pacific E721 passenger coach, it had better be a fucking accurate depiction of a Union Pacific this, E741 this, passenger coach. Uh, I'm sorry, but the train, uh, the Union Pacific uh, passenger train has seven rows of seats, and everyone knows that it's historically accurate to have eight rows of seat. I want a full refund. That is literally <laughs> what they were dealing with every fucking day of their lives. <laughs> I I love that. I love that so much. <laughs> so yeah. If you <laughs> if you're going for a niche, it had better be a niche that you yourself are really into as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thinking about it. <laughs> no, I think that's great. I think it's great. Let's super chat it up. Let's, These often drive discussion, I find. Absolutely. Let's move on to super chat. Just as a reminder, uh, here in the second half of Slightly Something Else, we read all your super chats and hopefully sparks a little bit of discussion. So get them in now before we say no more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we, there. We like, yeah. We like cash. This is also true. And then you get you get your name and your question read out, and uh, then you get to feel important and included. Ooh. And we are thoroughly invested in encouraging that delusion. Mm-hmm. Scavenger gives 10 US dollars to say, what qualifies focused versus broad? Walk sims are focused in going forward. Rail shooters are pointed screen and pull trigger. But there's broad like It Takes Two, and there's broad like Minecraft. Hmm. Well, Minecraft, right. I would say we've we've stumbled upon what a Minecraft is, which is adjustable tent poles, as you can choose your survival versus creative experience. 
Yeah. And then it takes two is um, it has a lot of mechanics in it, but it's the WarioWare frog fashions thing we were talking about where you're still on a single linear thread. You have to focus on the moment to moment experience. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So it's broad in the sense that as a whole, it's got a lot of stuff in it, but at any given moment, you're only doing one thing. In Minecraft, you could be doing any number of things. Mm. That's that's the difference, if you ask me. Hmm. It's all about the mindset you have going into it. Well, I'll, I haven't played It Takes Two, so I'm going to take your word for that. But like, are oh, yeah, are the changes mechanics on a dime that game? And are the puzzles that minutes. different? Like, oh yeah, like that's one of the things that impressed me about it. It's a fairly long game, but every like few minutes, it just completely changes the mechanics, hmm. and it's always different. It's always something new. That's great. That's great, because if you are going to have just one mechanic at any given time, we will get bored. <laughs> so swap it up. Pretty much. Mm. Uh, Cudlack13 gives five US dollars to say, which game was the better kitchen sink? Grand Theft Auto, Saints Row, Yakuza, or Witcher? Sort of the, imagine the four points of a square there. <laughs> Uh, now you, you're, they're not saying which is the better game, just which is the better kitchen sink. You're right. Well, in definite in the definitions we've been working with, probably Grand Theft Auto. You can literally just go mad and blow up the map and get attacked by the police at any time. Yeah, in that whenever you want. Saints Row as well, I guess. I, yeah, I might say Saints. If I remember correctly, Saints Row had more weird stuff to do that didn't involve blowing stuff up. Yeah, Saints Row leaned more into the wacky side of things mm. that more characterized early GTA as GTA itself started getting a bit grittier. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to go Saints Row as in like The Witcher has different things to do, but I mean essentially you're fighting monsters. You're hunting and fighting yeah. monsters no matter where on the map you're doing that. Hmm. I'm, uh, so, and saints row is just mad 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 mad, uh, mad. yeah is <laughs> it's a mad 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 saints row so well i guess in witcher you're gathering materials you're mixing stuff together you're bartering your trade eh, there's there's a little bit but there's a, i think what defines a good kitchen sink or sandbox game is how easily it can it is to shift switch from one thing to another Ooh. and that's the sort of thing saints row does very well you could be walking down the street and then, oh, I'm bored, uh, rocket launch a police car. Whereas in which uh, it's more a sort of slow steer from one thing yeah. to another. Okay, I think that I think you're absolutely correct. And Grand Theft Auto, obviously, they have a ton of other, like, you know, you can go gambling at the casino. You can go do this. You can just go golfing if in Grand Theft Auto, if I remember correctly. Mm. Um mm. And so that's like, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can do to say, I'm bored doing the missions. I want to go do the dishwashing mini game now. <laughs> that's the good kitchen. That's the good kitchen sink. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely a game for the people who are easily bored. Yes. Saints Row in a nutshell, mm. I'd say. Uh, Kerem Kuzku gives US dollars 10. It always confuses me, the formatting there. To say, not a whole lot of Super Chats this week. No question, just felt a bit sorry for Nick. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> but I think what we often find is the Super Chats start pouring in once we start reading them out. 
Absolutely. As seems to have been the case here. But we appreciate your super chat in any case. Thank you. The uh, recurring commenter whose name I still can't quite believe, Dylan Kuntz, gives four ninety nine USD to say which developers have mastered the specialized and which have mastered the kitchen sink approach. Also, hi, Jack, we missed you. Hi. I'm... I'm, I'm I feel I feel a flutter with emotion as as to be missed. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say exactly they've mastered it, but Ubisoft certainly have definitely uh, crystallized their model mm. for kitchen sink gameplay. Yeah, well, I I I think that we can look to if we're looking for mastery, we can look to Rockstar, who just throws everything in there, and like we said, each individual mechanic is functional. It might not be perfect, but it's all functional mm. within their game. Yeah. Kind of a toddler's activity center sort of approach. <laughs> and that's a lot of the activities aren't really related to each other. You can just go one thing then do something completely different. Right, but that's the idea. It's like what do you want you're a cowboy. What do you want to do? We give all all these things, all these cowboy things. What do you want to do? You can do them all. It might not necessarily feel good, but you can do them all. And as for developers who've mastered the specialized approach, I'd put Valve up there for Portal, but even in their games like Half-Life, they demonstrate how they can take their core game mechanic and just explore all of its potential. Mm, sure, sure. They do, they do that very well mm-hmm. when they do make games, which is once in a blue moon these days. Yeah, I don't know if we can count them just because they, you know, they kind of hit their peak and then noped on out of game development in general. Mm. Um, I, I think like we just, I don't know if there's like one specific developer we can say, Ooh, uh, who, you know, who has mastered the one thing done well is Bennett Foddy. (laughs) (laughs) Who's made one game. He's made two games, right? Oh yeah. What's the, what was the other one? Quap. Oh, that was him. Yeah, he made he made Quop and he made Getting Over It. Both are unitaskers as far as mechanics are concerned, but oh boy, are they an experience. Well, he certainly made his name with just with those two. <laughs> or something, uh, someone like uh, Terry Cavanaugh, who uh, did uh, VVV, VVV, and did uh, mm. Super Hexagon. Beautiful unitasker games. And uh, Lucas Pope, of course, one of my favorites, oh. who did Papers, Please and Return of the Obra Dinn. Yes, yes, And who's making a new game for, like, this weird console, this weird handheld console that's like one... The one with the crank? Yeah, you power it with a crank, and it has, like, one color graphics. (laughs) You don't... And he's making a game for that. Uh, Yahtzee, you don't power it with the crank. The crank is a controller. Serious? Seriously. I assumed you you powered it with it, because I... Because I figured from the graphics, it can't possibly use like any power at all. No, I, uh, <laughs> I've, I've been keeping up on development. This is a real console that exists. Uh, no, and it, it's just shall another we, controlling shall, controller dynamic. Shall we look up the name so it can be actual professionals? I, I suppose you should. But, but uh, I think you're you're absolutely right. In something like Papers, Please, you're just doing one thing. But the play date. The Playdate, the handheld the play date, console. It's called Playdate. I just googled indie handheld with crank. <laughs> You're gonna get some yeah. weird Google ads now. 
Probably, but uh, ag- agreed. One simple oh, idea oh. elevated by Hold story. the phone. Oh. Holding. Hold the phone. Holding. I'm looking at this list of developers that have been secured to make Playdate games. Bennett Foddy is oh, making one as well. Fuck. You get. To- they're bringing in all. They're bringing in all the arty soloists. Fuck yes. Man, I should get in touch. Get- <laughs> How do we get one now? Because I want to play yeah. all of these games. I want to make a game for it. Uh oh. Uh oh. You heard it here first, <laughs> everyone. Uh, well, doesn't that sound intriguing? Like the limitations. Uh, to design a game within the limitations of like only having one color and incorporating a crank and there's then there's two buttons and a d-pad and that's it yes yeah i, I think it's a really I phenomenal mean, idea i'm intrigued by the challenge yeah. of making a game for that <laughs> um well and and so like we're you know we're mentioning a lot of people here but i i feel like the the people that have mastered the unitasker is the indie sphere in general well, yeah. I mean, as well, that's the kind of what we were like uh, swimming around as a topic that uh, the broad game is the territory of the triple A's mm-hmm. and the specialized game is uh, now the territory of the indies. Right, right. Because there's, I guess, they're simpler to make all around. Well, and, and then they can focus on doing one thing incredibly well. We mentioned Celeste, Super Meat Boy mm. comes to mind. Just a, a handful of all of these wonderful indie games that literally just do one thing, but do it incredibly well. And I, that's, I know that's a bit of a cop-out just to say indie games, but any that we come up with will most likely be an indie game. Uh, pie, 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 toast <laughs> gives five pounds, British pounds, to say, long time fan of you both. Glad to have finally caught you on stream. Don't really have a question. Just wanted to show my support. Thank you very much. Pie, 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 toast. <laughs> pie, 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 toast. Um, that tickles me in a real uh, big way. So you're just going to make a note. I'm just that. writing down pie, 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 toast. Uh, just just for me just for later uh pie yeah, pie, pie that'll be pie. that could be your that could be your shopping list there <laughs> kerem kuzku again gives ten dollars to say here's an actual question would you consider metroidvanias to be more kitchen sink or more focused Ooh. Hmm. hard to say if we were to look at a metroid game uh, I think what defines them is they do tend to be task oriented, but you can float around and pursue different tasks depending on your mood. But it's all in service of getting to the eventual finish. Like, you know, Dark Souls is a Metroidvania. Yeah, and you're all but you're using the same mechanical language throughout, which is action platforming. Right, you're shooting and you're jumping. Like whether or not you're shooting and jumping as a ball or as a samus, you're essentially doing the same thing. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's it's the it's the focused approach. It's like the open world but focused. Yeah, I I think if if we look at something like Dark Souls, ooh, I guess this this brings up an interesting question. A game like Dark Souls uses the same mechanical language throughout, but you can branch off as far as like classes are concerned or like weapons. So would that yeah. count in the kitchen sink or is that part of the unitasker? 
I guess it's kitchen sinky because the different weapons require different approaches and you can sort of experiment and play around. Mm. I've been replaying Dark Souls because I was stressed out a lot from uh, my home life yeah. and I just wanted to like, I just wanted to practice self-care. Mm-hmm. And for me, that means replaying Dark Souls again. Very fair. Now, the first time I've been using um, really heavy weapons. Oh, okay. They're leaning in strength and I've been using like the dragon's tooth. And my massive greatswords, because my usual instinct is to go whippy, whippy, quick attack, quick rolls behind things sorts of builds. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm using the heavy weapons that you have to sort of like uh, guess what the right moment is to initiate a really long-winded attack. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting the hang of it. It's interesting. It's fun. I, I find that's usually my default weapons are like the big dumb heavy ones because like there is that catharsis and just slamming oh, yeah. something down. just pancake the shit out of the enemies <laughs> and they can't do anything hmm. all right so yeah yeah it, it's it's kitchen sinky in that respect you can play around with different gameplay styles different combat styles kitchen sink e <laughs> yeah David Foster gives 4.99 British pounds to say thoughts on games like Wonderful 101. It has that linear story and main gameplay loop, but those bloody mini games between some missions. Oh, I don't know if I, that that was made by the developer of Beautiful Joe, right? Yeah, the Bayonetta people, Platinum Games. Wonderful 101 was their slightly out there idea, where you're like a superhero team mm-hmm. and you control the entire team and you draw shapes the to. Sh- say where all the dudes in your team go oh okay well this is getting to the problem with the game because the problem i had and a lot of people had is that it has a very steep learning curve and it's hard to it's hard to figure out how to play the game oh okay it's apparently it's hard to even describe how to play the game (laughs) that's that's what we were talking about if you got an elevator pitch if you can't fit it into an elevator pitch it might not be a specialized game and I'd say like Wonderful 101, uh, like, Wonderful 101, like most of Platinum Games' output, uh, is a game about mastering its mechanics. Okay. In the sort of Devil May Cry, Spectacle Fighter sort of area. It's about mastery, and that's what, you know, that's what a lot of that, the side content in those games, like optional missions, is about. It's about mastering the mechanics. Mm-hmm. So I'd say those games are focused in that respect. Hmm. But the but the specialization of the mechanics is in itself difficult to learn. It's yeah, <laughs> it's hard to learn, hard to master. Sure, all right, that is very fair. I I mean I remember I love Beautiful Joe. I still love Beautiful Joe with uh, with a deep burning passion. And I remember seeing Wonderful One Hundred One and thinking that I couldn't figure it out, so I didn't buy it. <laughs> that as I say, was the problem a lot of people had with the game <laughs> and why it's not really one of its one of Platinum's big sellers no. after all this time. That's too bad. I think they there was a Steam release of that eventually. Hmm. I think it had a, I think it had a niche audience. I watched like a playthrough of it and it seemed uh you know, the people who unfigured it out liked it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we just need that community though to rise it up again and teach us how to play it. And you could tell it was created with love and passion. Mm. The people making it were there was a lot of work put into it. Sort of a shame that it didn't find its uh, broader audience. Opening up a. Okay. 
Scavenger gives five US dollars to say, listening to this, I think about tabletop RPGs. Kitchen sink in what it presents. You can play how you want, but a focused mechanic. Roll dice. Hmm. Well, you're more the tabletop gamer type. Yes, I think... I mean, I think you're you're essentially right, um, and you know, kind of what we were what we were just talking about here, as far as like, uh, as far as uh, frog fractions is concerned, where where there's a lot of different things in tabletop role playing games, but yes, really, they all boil down to the one experience. Uh, though, like, it, it all depends on how deep you get into it. There's a lot of homebrew stuff. There's a lot of different mechanics that you can introduce. I was watching a wonderful uh, video. Someone made up their own specialized lock-picking mechanic for Dungeons & Dragons. Because uh, hmm. normally for a lock-picking, you roll one die, and you either do it or you don't. Like, that's it. And he made up a little mini-game to, like, make it a little more interesting. That's fun. I guess that's what makes tabletop RPG a little more free form and customizable. Yes, which makes it a bit more of a broad experience. Hopefully, but but I mean, you're absolutely right. Like at the end of the day, you're you're always just rolling some die to figure out uh, to figure it out. So so yes, like broad broad area, same mechanic. Hmm. 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 Fun to think about. Uh, <laughs> Red Dwarf 42, good name there, gave us five US dollars to say, are all immersive sims kitchen sink by definition? You know, I don't think people are generally clear on what an immersive sim is. That's exactly what I was going to ask, so thank you for beating me to that. (laughs) I define an immersive sim as a game in the Deus Ex sort of mold. Okay. Where, or um, the most recent Prey game. Uh, I'm looking it up. Wikipedia defines an immersive sim as a video game genre that emphasizes player choice. Mm. So yeah, by definition, they would be kitchen sinky. So you can like do whatever you want with it. Yeah. Um, da, 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 the, it combines a comparatively broad array of player abilities with a lot of responses uh, that supports creative solutions to problems and emergent gameplay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yes, I, I yes, I would say those are by definition kitchen sinky. Like the what you should think about is in any game you're playing, could you just fuck around and play another game within the game? Which is actually something we forgot about when we talked about Witcher Three. Is you can you can just play Gwent. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely kitchen sinky. Yeah, the classic examples of. Well, the classic example of immersive sim in the modern sense would be System Shock 2. And yeah, you could literally just stop and play Minesweeper. Right. In the middle of a corridor, <laughs> if you felt like it. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. Like, can you stop the main game to play another game within the game? Then it is a kitchen sinky. <laughs> okay. Oh, man, this is like this is turning into all semantic super chats. <laughs> Ian- <laughs> I think that's what, by the way, that's what these always boil down to, is semantics. Ian Cassidy gives five US dollars to ask, is Magic the Gathering a focused game or a kitchen sink? I don't know. I never played Magic the Gathering. Neither have that's I. For, that's for the big nerds. That's for the... Not like, not like us. Not like us cool nerds. <laughs> 
from what I know about Magic the Gathering, uh, the while each card has its own specific rules, you are still playing within the greater card game rules. So it is a specialized game, even though the pieces can do different things. So much, All right, fine. much like D&D, a whole lot of lore, but essentially the same gameplay. So there. Okay, so there. So there, Ian Cassidy. Yeah. Prozac Man gives $5 to say, Yahtzee, when will your next audiobook be released? Probably this year. Ooh. I don't think there's like an official date announced, but we are, but wheels are in motion. It's all written. We just need to record it. And uh, I think publishers are keen to get it out uh, before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So keep an eye out. Ooh, exciting. Oh, I've got the cover art now. <gasps> they, sent me, they sent me the cover art and it looks very nice that's ex- that as someone who genuinely enjoys your books i am very excited you should <laughs> fine then yeah i am <laughs> nomad gives 4.99 us dollars to say it seems like this is an auteurism versus player enjoyment debate kitchen sinks are in service of the player but focused services the artistic vision i think that's very fair to say nomad I think a lot of the games we've cited uh, in the focused side of things are auteur and appealing to a niche. And if you're niche it stands to reason that the person making it is someone who's interested in that niche. Mm. I, I, I feel like we should choose our words very carefully there because you made it sound like auteur versus player enjoyment, which implies that uh, auteurism doesn't care about player enjoyment. No, no. What I mean is um, it's auteurism versus universal appeal, I sure. suppose. There we go. I'm I'm okay with that because, yeah, I, I just, again, semantics, but that's like it's not like I'm doing this no matter if you like it or not, man, because I'm sure auteurs also care if people enjoy their game. It's nice. <laughs> but a lot of them are just sort of like trying to express something deeply within themselves. Ooh. Well, then there you go. But yes, I, I do feel like you can't have too many uh, cooks in the kitchen if you want to make a very specialized game. Mm. That's I, I think that's very fair. But there are auteur games that are also kitchen sinky. Uh, I'm looking at you, Death Stranding. Fair enough. Well, speaking of that sort of thing, Uh-oh. Dylan Kuntz gives four ninety nine to say Eastern game design is specialized and Western design is more kitchen sink thoughts. I think it's only mainstream Western design is more kitchen sink. And even in uh, Japanese games, there are certainly, they have their own kinds of kitchen sinky sorts of games. And there's a certain model of game that certainly to be getting a lot more popular because and that's uh, games that have relationship mechanics. Weirdly, oh, okay. I've been playing. I've been playing a new game. We just got the review code for, which is called Scarlet Nexus. Took me a moment. Had to check my desktop. <laughs> that's that's like a, a hack and slash RPG, but it's also got persona like mechanics where. You uh, build relationship with um, other people in your like uh, platoon, Ooh, okay. and it feels like I'm seeing a lot of that showing up in Japanese games lately. It happened in that Attack on Titan spin-off I played a few years back as well. 
Sure. Well, and I mean, we can look at a lot of Hideo Kojima's work. Uh, I mean, Metal Gear Solid Five in its entirety is several different kitchen sinks. Um, oh yes. You know, early early stuff like um, uh, oh what I'm trying to remember the the game that Stardew Valley is based off of. Uh, Harvest Moon. Har- thank you, thank you. Harvest, you know, Harvest Moon is a very kitchen sinky game. Even looking at uh, JRPGs, early Final Fantasy games, uh, doesn't uh, Final Fantasy three have an entire chocobo breeding section where if you want to fuck off and just breed chocobos? That's uh, seven. I think. Oh, that's seven. Okay. Well, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, every Final Fantasy game has something like that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think there is a ton of kitchen sink, especially in JRPGs. So, yeah. so I, no, it's not confined to one region or another. No, but uh, there are different things that Japanese gamers like. Yeah. Apparently, relationship mechanics is one of them. Mm. Uh, or, or the uh, Yakuza series, correct? Like that yeah, has yeah, yeah, a yeah. zillion different things to do. Yeah, but very different in flavor to something like Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> sure, sure. Kurt, Kurt Horsting gives uh, 10 US dollars to say, been playing the new Guilty Gear and definitely feeling the benefits of a focus. It's a 1v1 fighting game with weird characters, great mechanics and metal music and pretty much nothing else. Well, yeah, 1v1 fighters is like the purest definition of focused <laughs> games, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. And when when done well, they're super awesome. And very niche. And very, very niche. I mean, if you watch like of like videos of someone who's really into that sort of thing playing a few rounds of online Mortal Kombat eleven or something. And it's like they're talking another language. It really it's like, oh I should have I should have used the low cancel instead I used the throw cancel. Oh I better oh they used a meter burn, that was smart of them. They used a meter and burn like, now I can't counter because my hitbox detection will be 0.5 frames off of theirs. <laughs> I sometimes find yeah, like I've <laughs> I've been finding myself drawn to watching that sort of thing, but I can't get my head around how one learns that kind of shit it's amazing it's fun to watch at least it's well like you said it's it's like you're it's like you're uh on an archaeological dig and just yeah just uh weird facts are flying past you very fascinating stuff but also a perfect example of a very good unitasker the fighting game and they all it all happen so fast as well <laughs> i mean i don't know how you keep up with you young people brains with your <laughs> young people energy <laughs> Uh, Dale Hicks gives five Australian dollars to say hitting many tropes in a game is important. Oh, hang on a sec. Hitting many tropes in a game is important. Why go to Tsushima was so successful, although no original or even great mechanics. Helps with immersion. Because they were hitting yeah, all those samurai tropes. Yeah, hmm. that's what I was saying, that its, that its strength was its theming. And that's why I did all right. Absolutely. Well, and and I think like... Like we were talking about uh, with that, with Red Dead, uh, with Red Dead Redemption 2, with uh, something like Horizon Zero Dawn, is it wrapped, or, or Breath of the Wild, uh, it wrapped all of its mechanics around one solid selling point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even though it had the stealth, it had the haikus, it had the uh, finding the different dyes for your outfits, it had the sword battles, it had the the little... 
uh, sword skill things. It, it's all wrapped around this samurai flavor that made it a cohesive experience. It, mm. it used a one specialization to hang all their kitchen sinks off of. There you go. Uh, 4ED7FF gives five US dollars to say, would you consider Fez specialized or a kitchen sinker? Because of its single mechanic, but also kind of hand wavy objective. I I call that a broad, chill out, zeny sort of game. Because it is like it does focus a bit on like the rotating stuff, but that's really a more of a traversal thing. To and you're just supposed to sort of float around this big sandbox world. Sure, that's an and interesting so- example, though, of of yeah. kind of like the inverse of what we've been talking about, right? Yeah, it's indie and niche, but at the same time, it is that sort of floaty experience. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's indie, it's niche. It is. It's un. It's definitely unfocused. I would say, <laughs> but it it does specialize. It has one core mechanic, but it doesn't have the urgency that these other games that we've been talking about has. No, mm. it certainly doesn't like push you down a linear path. Right. That's a unique example, I'd say. A uniquely caught in the middle sort of example there. Agreed, agreed. Hmm. An interesting specimen in the in the specialized games. Hmm. I like it. Uh this might be the last one. Don't think we've had any since this one. No, we haven't. So we'll say this is the last super chat. No more, please. We won't be reading out any more. Donald Nabity gives 10 US dollars to say, would you consider Undertale a kitchen sink game with all of the changing mechanics in the combat system? No. 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 That's a very focused experience. As I said, it's in my my, uh, Steam category for games that you really want to devote your attention to when you're playing right and much like what we were talking about with wario where while the individual the the moment to moment like physical or physicality of of the combat mechanics are changed you are essentially doing the exact same thing yeah basically i don't know like i how do i how do you put that better like while while your inputs might be different the reason why you are inputting them is the same (laughs) Uh, I would say you, it's all on the same thread. Ooh, sure. You're all you're follow you're following the same thread sure. all the time. I like that, but yeah, no, no, very singularly focused, much to its credit. Hmm. Great game, a great game. Everyone, everyone thinks it's a great game. You know why? Because it's a great game. <laughs> yeah, because it is <laughs> funny that. It's great when everyone can just agree on something. Like, yeah, it's a great game. Well, on that note. Thank you for all your super chats. It's what helps us keep going and make random content that doesn't have to uh, appeal to the algorithm or pause for five minutes to try to sell you a pair of shitty earbuds or whatever. <laughs> That's right. Well, this week we're sponsored by... Uh, uh, oh, crap. Like I have so much crap on my desk. Uh, the Xbox controllers. <laughs> <Try> an <laughs> Xbox controller. <laughs> 
Absolutely. We get to just sit here and have a lovely conversation about uh, about different game mechanics, and I think that's wonderful. So thank you all for watching and or listening to this. Thank you all for your super chats. Yahtzee and Nick will be back next week to talk about something else, I'm sure. Yes. Slightly something else, even. Whoa! We just did it. That's the outro. Bye, everyone. Follow us all on Twitter. I'll see you on Wednesday for Zero Punctuation. <laughs>